This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest Review Show. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. Pitchdmm.com. Hello and welcome to Back of the Nest. Today we bring you our first episode of the 2021 season as football attempts to journey to normality through the continued COVID crisis. Pre-season has ended and we'll be soon watching competitive action yet again, in theory anyway. Back of the Nest, sponsored by PitchSport. PitchDMM.com On the show today is me, Chris Hambling. We've had, we have Mike Scott and we have DR Kernaz. And coming up on the show, we'll be looking into the managerial position uh, heading into the season, reviewing the squad, talking transfers in and out. Uh, We'll talk about season tickets, kits, uh, and more events off the pitch. Um, As ever, your contact is extremely important to us, and we've got a selection of questions and comments from you to go through today. Uh, We'll give you our predictions for the season ahead for both Palace and in the Premier League in general. And to end the show, we'll uh, have a quick look ahead, giving our opinions on the opening game of the season against Southampton, talking a little bit about lineup and, and predicted score before the preview guys get into a bit more detail with that one. So uh, in terms of a bit of chat before we get going, gentlemen, uh, good to have you along. Um, reminder for you at home, uh, you can follow us on all social media. Uh, just search for Back of the Nest and you'll find us on everything. Uh, and rate and review on your chosen podcast apps. Um, those of you watching that, this this is redundant, but we are on video as well from the start of this season. Um, looking resplendent. So that the video will come out on YouTube and possibly shared on other formats as well. But uh, it will be based on our YouTube channel, which DR has been running quite, uh, quite successfully. Um, and it hasn't had a break over the summer or anything been jabbering away about transfers every single day making stuff up <laughs> as he goes along doesn't really care oh, right do or wrong. And, um, <laughs> but uh yeah, do check us out on, on youtube as well um, but obviously the podcast will go up as normal in, in audio form as well uh, and some of you will quite right quite rightly choose not to uh not to check out the video content because i mean we can never meet your expectations in reality uh, if you've been just listening to us um, so look, talking about the, the video stuff and, and YouTube and all that kind of stuff, I think we'll talk to DR first. 
hello DR first first show of the season but I guess it feels like you haven't been away exactly I've been here talking about all the transfer rumours that we've been linked with um, loads of them during the summer so many players but yeah it's been a crazy summer it's been a crazy summer because of the coronavirus because of uh, Palace's new project with all these young players so I'm excited by it but we'll see what happens <laughs> And uh, I think before we move over to Mike, we do have to have a very quick go of what's in DR's cupboard. Uh, it's a game we first played uh, during a, uh, another recording session, which it was, a, it was a part of the show that was never recorded. And there were some surprises in your cupboard, DR, weren't there? And um, I'm going to let you have a rummage around in your cupboard to see what you're going to share this time uh, as I talk to Mike. All and right. We'll come back to you. Obviously, visually, um, that is, it's more of a visual kind of thing, but... Uh, so you'll have to check out the video if you want to see what is in DR's cupboard. Uh, but we will describe it as well. Hello, Mike. Hello. I mean, any of you that have decided to watch us on video instead of just listen to the audio, I'm not sure what's wrong with you, but fair enough, we're here. Come on, mate. You know, they, they can see how bemused you look, how often you're vaping, all those things. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't want to rub it in because I know you've just, just quit. Um, That's but, why I'm this uh, red. Like you said... Yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm used to just vaping constantly while I'm while I'm doing these things. So uh, apologies. I've got something Indeed. if you need it. Okay, so quickly, we're back to Dr. For what's in Dr.'s cupboard? Dr. What's in your cupboard this week? It's probably useless, but uh, I got a weight weight watcher. Uh, that's scale. A scale is what that's called. It's not called yeah, a weight. A weight yeah. is like what you put on yeah. a, on a. I said weight watcher, oh, I but scale, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I've got that, so. Um, yeah, I'm just not pretty much in use right now because I'm not going to gym, but soon, hopefully, it'll be in use. So is that something you've bought yourself or is it a, a family heirloom? I think I think it's a family uh, uh, family um, weight scale, right. but, whatever it's called. But probably not an heirloom. I was being a bit sarcastic. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about DR describing that as a weight watcher? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. So there's a little, um, there's like a little community centre just near my flat where sort of twice a week, these um, these people that are desperate to lose like one pound a month pile in and discuss what salads they've had. So that's what I think of when I think of Weight Watchers. Yeah, me, me too, me too. And um, But there we go, there we go, Dio. Thanks for sharing. It was an enjoyable game of what's in Dio's cupboard. I know that, that this is a long-running thing. We're going to see something each week. Eventually, we're going to get to the <laughs> jackpot, I'm telling you now. Uh, but but just bear with us on that. <laughs> Back to you, Mike. Uh during the, the back of the nest off season, you went on holiday with Clarkie. How was that? Do you remember any of it? Yeah, we went to Cyprus. We actually got in the day that we were allowed to go in as UK tourists, which was more by luck than judgment. Um, you had to take a test that was less than three days old. So we paid for one in London. I mean, the holiday was so cheap to have no one there. Um, so half the cost was getting a test done. Um, and then we soon found out after that people were just going and getting the NHS ones done if they go on holiday anyway, so we didn't have to pay. But it was good. A lot of beer was consumed. And since then, I've been scaling it down a little bit because I don't want to die before 40. Yeah, um, yeah, that seems fair. Um, but believe me, 40 is a massive letdown. I, I swear to God, I've just, I've just encountered a whole host of aches and pains that just didn't exist whilst I was still 39. It's like someone's flipped a switch in my knees just to hurt. I'm not healthy as well. I, I don't know. I think it's just this year. Like with the coronavirus, I'm not saying I've got a corona, but it's just like I've never been like full, fully fit. Maybe it's because I've stopped going to the gym, but it's just there's something missing. There's something missing in me that 
just doesn't feel right. Mm. We could we could talk seriously about it, or we could just sort of smile a little bit about you having something missing and move on. Um, yeah, <laughs> we better get into some kind of football chat anyway. <laughs> so look, we want to talk um, initially about the fact that um, so back into last season to give it a bit of context um, this is why our first topic will be about the managerial position I think a, a large proportion of our fan base um, after Project Restart decided that yeah that was pretty much enough for them we'd, we'd played that badly and struggled for results for, for, for that whole period we'd seen uh, a manager who was unwilling to use the squad, but then bemoaned the fact he didn't have a squad to use. And I think it just all came to a bit of a head. And I think it's fair to say lots and lots and lots of our supporters had had enough of Roy. And it's really a check-in with the team because obviously we now know Roy is going to be taking us into this season. So it's a case of how do we feel about that? And, and DR, that question to you, how are you feeling about Roy? Well, it's a new season. That's that's the main positive going into it because end of last season, you saw what happened. It was just abysmal. The players didn't seem motivated. The same old tactics. It wasn't working. But going into the new season, I just want to start, start it off with a fresh page in terms of I'm not a massive fan of Roy. I'm not going to lie about that. But I don't want to go into new season saying, oh, I don't want Roy Hodgson at the club. My expectations have changed. My expectations for going into next season now is just to stay up, which is kind of crazy because now we've been in the Premier League for seven or eight years, and that's my own expectation. Uh, but I know this squad can do better. But with Roy Hodgson as manager, I just don't think we can push on to the next level. So it's weird because, yes, next season is going to be um, one, probably his last season. But then again, I would have preferred if we had a new manager. But he's here. What can we do about it? We can't do anything but just now support the guys and hopefully he proves us all wrong because end of last season, it was horrible to watch. And on, and on that, Mike, on, on being proved wrong, I, I, you know, I seem to remember you very much landing in the same place as myself and DR by the end of last season in terms of pretty much had your fill of Roy. But, um, you know, I think DR's indicated being a bit more philosophical. I, I'd say that I feel a little bit the same. So, I mean, where are you on it? And, and do you feel perhaps it's that opportunity for him to prove us wrong with a few new players as well? I think football fans can be really quick to forget stuff and forgive. Um, and that's definitely kind of happened for me. I don't, I don't know, what was, we're talking about a month and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, getting away from Palace for a little bit, going on holiday, had to think about it. Uh, and I also just didn't think about Palace for a little bit. Um, come back... Uh, willing to sort of think that things could be all right. Um, the worry is the sort of juxtaposition between, um, you know, players that we've signed, uh, particularly Eze, and um, any players that will come in um, with Roy's old-fashioned, uh, I want these 11 in my team kind of mentality. So um, as long as he plays the new players, um, I'll be happy. I mean, I, I don't have particularly high expectations. Um, it's probably good to, to not because it's going to be it's going to be a tough season. Um, I think it's going to be harder than last season. Uh, I think the quality of the Premier League is going to be, you know, the, the teams that have come up uh, have strengthened. Maybe aside from West Brom, um, I think we're going to have a struggle on our hands. And I'll be I'll be happy enough finishing. Well, I'd be very happy if we finish where we did last season. Yeah, I think that's you know, and again, I suppose in a way it's easy to kind of say that at the start of the year. I do feel feel that people will be very quick to turn again um, if the results at the start of the season are poor. I've had a look at our first few few fixtures, and you know, I'll be honest, I've got a bit of fear in that at the moment. I don't I don't see 
it's hard to judge other teams, I guess, but it's, we haven't had that long of a break. We haven't made that many changes. Um, you know, a lot, lot of hope at the moment being put on Ezra. It doesn't look like Ferguson's going to be fit for quite some time. So, you know, we're not, we're not really made a difference there. And it's really about the business that Palace do from now um, that would have to bring more confidence. Because right now I feel, you know, we're probably one or two injuries away from, from complete disaster. Um, and I suppose going into that, you know, it's about what we learned from pre-season. Dio's already mentioned in terms of it's probably Roy's last season. I think it's a transitional year again. And I hate that word because we've used it several times in the Premier League. We, you know, Pard, you talked about transition. We've talked about transition to a different style with Frank De Boer. Um, and, and both of those things have ended up being disasters. But we're, I think we're back in that place now. We all know we've got an old squad. Um, and, and looking at pre-season, obviously, 2-1 uh, win against Oxford. Uh, we beat Charlton, was it 3-0, Charlton? 4-0. We beat them, I can't remember. Hard to remember. Yeah, was, and then Millwall was 3-0, three... and Is then obviously Bromby was 1-1. And So what do you feel we've learned, Dio? Looking at Roy's, you talk about his change in tactics, perhaps, and, and, and how he's using players. How do you, what do you feel you've learned? So we're undefeated, and that Champions League football will be coming. Um, no, apart from apart from that... One thing that we've learned is that potentially next season we could go back to how we was playing when we had Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, in terms of 4-4-2 and Eze out wide. So I personally think that um, Wilfred Zaha was another positive out of this because last season we saw it so many times where we went into the games and Wilfred Zaha was more focused defensively rather than going forward and he didn't have that creative freedom. And we saw that in pre-season. He scored goals, he scored three out of four games and he looked a threat going forward. Another thing in pre-season that was a positive with Jairo Riederwald, I think he's proved time and time again that he deserves to be a starter. So if Roy doesn't start him now, honestly, I don't have a clue when he will start, um, if, if he will ever start for Palace under Roy Hodgson because he's playing fantastic football. So a couple of things that we've learned in pre-season is looking positive, but then again, it's only pre-season. You don't want it to get carried away. I think Mike has said it in a couple of our watch-alongs where we, we beat Bristol City last season. Um, in pre-season, 5-0. Was it 5-0 or 4-3, something like that? But then again, in the season, that doesn't reflect. It depends on what you actually do in the season, not what you do in pre-season. But there has been positives, I'll admit that. About yourself, Mike, what you what have you learned from pre-season? What are your hopes and dreams and fears? Well, let's temper it by the fact that there was one season where Jordan March looked like <laughs> a world beater in pre-season. So let's remember that. Um, I, th- I was a bit worried about how open we were. Um, Against against Bromby, I, I, as you say, it probably fairly meaningless, um, and you definitely noticed that Hodgson looked livid. Um, it's, it was good to see that as they came straight in. Um, obviously, only played a half, uh, but that that was good. It, the, the signs are um, that he might embrace um, a, a slight change of style. I, I I would worry if there was too much change, um, but yeah, it, it sort of. It feels like the, the seeds of change came across in those four games. So that's a good thing. Um, but it's not, like you say, it's not going to take long for people to lose their patience with Hodgson if he reverts back to type. So I'm not sure that I should get too excited. Um, and obviously it was a very short, you know, four, four, four games isn't much at all. Um, hard to tell. Can I, can I just check in there? You said the, uh, the seeds of change. Um, isn't it the seeds of love, uh, and it's the winds of change? Surely. Oh, is it? Okay. I'm just going by um, by song song lyrics. That like, that's. 
Yeah, who, who is it that did that? So, I mean, I, I, I think we, we need do. Nick sowing right the now seeds of love. Terrible yeah, yeah, yeah. By someone. Okay. Um, I mean, Sam's in the background. She might be able to tell us. Um, but yes. People will be shouting at their podcast apps right now. Uh, yeah. Sorry to everyone for being. I actually, heathens. genuinely, one of one of the things that I hate massively is when people on podcasts talk about things that I don't quite remember. I've done it, and uh, I mean, Mike's apologetic. I'm less so, to be honest with you. Just think you just got to deal with it. Um, <laughs> but uh, just just a couple of thoughts from me on, on preseason before we before we move on to our next topic. Um, I think tactically, going back to the the four four two. And having those wide players been acting more as sort of central midfield, sorry, wide midfielders who were tucking in central, I think it worked really, really well in the Oxford game with uh, with uh, Eberichieze. Um, just to stop, Sam's quite right. Winds of change was obviously by Scorpion. We all knew that, didn't we? Um, so uh, Spotify that later, Dion. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. Sowing yes, the seeds exactly. of love, we're still waiting <laughs> on. But um, no, <laughs> joking aside, it. it you know, those wide positions, I don't think it really suits Townsend. <laughs> but it is for fear's question mark. You've got access to Google, Sam. Uh, anyway, um, but, you know, Townsend, I don't think, suits that role. So, Tears for fears. But, but was it tears for fears? And there's an um, amazing, amazing still of the video where they look like the cheesiest pair of bastards I've ever seen in my life. Carry on, carry on. It's my own fault. I started that. I can't be angry that it's interrupted what, what I'm trying to talk about. Um, <laughs> to, so to reset a little bit, um, I'm, I'm behind the tactical change, but if we, if we look at the... It was so exciting for the first game. The game against Oxford, it looked like it was, it was a really promising change that the players were straight away comfortable with it. Uh, against Charlton and against Millwall, despite the fact that they're they're lower, lesser opposition, as we know. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is that to consider as well, because all these teams that we face, Oxford United, Charlton, Millwall, yes, it's great that we finished the season unbeaten, but let's be realistic. Charlton are basically on the verge of not being a club. They're a mess. Uh, there's Millwall there. Uh, there's Oxford United. I think Bron Bronby was the most challenging game, well, and, we, and we couldn't yeah, beat that's, them. Yeah, so, that's where I was going, Dio, in, yeah. in the sense that that's the first time in pre-season that it, it showed what the potential downside of this tactical shift is. You know, we we were talking about it a lot on the watch along. You know, initially we we were concerned it was because of Tyreek Mitchell, uh, but then it started happening at to, to Joel Ward on the other flank as well. Having those wide midfielders tuck in all the time, and and to be and in particular to be less focused on defence, like whether it was Schlupp or whether it was Wilf playing out on the left and with Townsend out on the right, they just left the full-back exposed and it was very easy to to pass around them or to sort of kick and run past them. You know, Mitchell struggled a little bit with his positioning. Ward was struggling a little bit with the fact that he was tucking in narrow all the time. We left so much width that it was just cross after cross after cross after cross. And it was no surprise when we conceded from a cross either, was it? So... That would be the part, the part of pre-season that just flagged up a little bit of a concern. You know, the massive confidence that winning, winning brings. I was very happy with that, but there was definitely... Uh, there's always going to be a trade-off. If you shift to a more attacking style, which it looks like we're trying to do, um, then, then obviously there is a trade-off defensively. And I just have this fear that about 10 games in, we're going to be, you know, two points, bottom of the league. And Roy's going to say, yeah, I told you so. That's that's why we go back to my same system. That's why that's why I was doing what I was doing, and yeah, that's my fear. 
Yeah, but if that's the case, then it's still on Roy Hodgson because it's not a told-you-so case. He's the manager of a football club in the Premier League where he should be able to balance attack and defence. Yes, he was brilliant in defence last season, but going forward, 31 goals in 38 games, I don't care how good you are defensively. That's just unacceptable. You're averaging less than one goal a game. Um, it's not even on an entertainment basis. It's just on a football basis. It's just watching that team play, we had nothing going forward and it's all down to tactics, let's be honest because Wilfred Zaha, I think he's had one of his you know, worst seasons in terms of watching him play where he just couldn't do much and I haven't seen Wilf like that, he's been progressing well season after season, so what is that down to? I think it's tactics, so it's on Roy Hodgson, he can't use that, I can't, I told you so um, excuse because he has to make sure that he balances out. I feel like we've got good enough players, especially with Ferguson coming into the side, that um, he, sh he shouldn't have anything to uh, worry about. I mean, from a, from a pragmatic point of view, if we're two points after 10 games, Hodgson's going to be out of a job. Um, but more importantly, you said we've got a hard start, which is absolutely true. And I think it just gives us a bit more chance to recover. If he does have a Holloway-esque start to the season um, and he goes, uh, uh, you know, at least maybe we've got some games to try and claw it back and, and stay up. That's, that's that's the real cynic in me. I, just, I don't see him going. It just, I, just it's just I, reckon, I reckon he's here till Christmas at minimum if it's a complete disaster. But if we look like we've got any chance of staying up at all, um, which, which I hope we have, um, I just don't see him going till the end of the year. Yeah, I was I was with you as well in terms of until at least Christmas he'll be at the club. But even after Christmas, unless as you said we ha we pick up five points in like ten games or fifteen games, I just don't see him going at all because we've seen it with the ball. They clearly want us to stay up. They they surely don't believe that Roy Hodgson can bring us to the next level because that's the reason they haven't sacked him. He's due to keep us up. So. If there's a sense that even if we go in a bad run of form, if there's a sense that Palace can stay up on the Roy Hodgson, he's staying. He's staying unless it's disastrous. I, I just don't see him leaving. And um, if we were to leave, then they would have sacked him in the okay. last season. Well, it's time for us to move on from Roy. I, I dare say a subject we'll return to throughout the course of the season. And let's hope it's for all the right reasons uh, rather than our fears coming true. So topic two is to talk a little bit about the squad. So um, those of you that have been following us for a while, will know that every now and then I like to apply my managerial techniques from work to, to Palace. And um, I've done my red, amber and green again with our squad. Last time I did it in terms of contracts and, uh, and, and age and things like that. This time it's about their usefulness to the squad. Now, in the future, we'll probably be presenting these uh, anything, anything like this that we're referring to in video format. I'm not going to risk it, there. It does say share screen at the bottom of my screen, but I'm not prepared. So uh, I'm just I'm just going to talk that talk is, us through it. it. Um, the guys have got access to it if they happen to want to read it, but they could just react to, to what we're talking about as well. Um, so you know we split I split into goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and forwards, and obviously there's some crossover between players there. The reason for doing this is just to look at the the current squad before any of the two confirmed transfers in Ever Ever Echeze and Nathan Ferguson. Uh, but to the the current squad, the one that's been performing in pre season, what depth do we have? Um, you know, where where are we weak and where where do our fears sort of come in? Um, so if we look at the goalkeepers first and foremost, and it's a little bit of an explanation. If I if I called them green, that means they're fit, ready, and able. If I've called them amber, it means they're injury prone or unreliable, or a developing player or an unproven player. If I've cut, made them red, it means they're shit or emergency only. Um, 
And and I might ne- not necessarily specify which of those two options I think they are. I'll just call them red. So the goalkeepers, and uh, we've talked about this, and I got a bit of flack for for one of my one of my colouring colourings here. So Guaita's green. We all know Guaita's green, right, gents? I mean, number one. Yeah, he's the brightest, yeah, the brightest green there is. No worries there. Uh, Henderson, I've gone with a red because he just hasn't played barely any football at all. He, he seems to be more of a a support for the goalkeeping coach than an actual... Th- he yeah. just seems to love that, doesn't he? He <laughs> seems to love doing absolutely no football. He's our youngest goalkeeper as well. Oh, there you go. But he's, well, he's still... Yeah. Well, he's he about is. a year younger than Gwaita, um, I guess. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I think it's like 32 or 30. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're sure right. Yeah, because, um, yeah. I hadn't, hadn't thought about that before, but he, he played in the uh, the under-23s today. was was all right. But, you know, let's face it, he's not a Premier League goalkeeper. He's not pushing for the number one spot. So he's red, in my view. If, we, if we're if we in a position where Henderson is our only available goalkeeper, then we're in trouble. So that's why he's red. Uh, but Wayne Hennessy, I went with orange, and I, I you guys felt I was being generous there. Yes, 100%. yeah. I mean, if there's the choice of the two of them, select Henderson because at least he's an unknown quantity. I, mean, I, I know, I know, Hennessy's just overtaken um, Neville Southall's clean sheet record for Wales, and he's over the moon and stuff like that. But come on now, come on. He, he shouldn't be at a club. I've said this years ago. He shouldn't be at a club because it's not because I don't like the man. I mean, some of the abuse he gets, he doesn't deserve it because it's too personal. But it's never going to work out. It's never going to work out. Even when he was playing good and I was backing him, um, fans were still going against him. When he's playing bad, of course, that's around 80% of the time. Um, he's pretty useless. And the only reason why I think he's still at the club is because of his wages. It must be team friendly. But other than that, I wouldn't have Wayne Ellis at the club because it's just not a... It's not a um, good player to have around, especially. I think on, on paper, having an international keeper as your backup goalkeeper is is probably good. Uh, by all accounts, he's a, a popular member of the team. Let's like, say team squad. He's a popular member of the squad at the training ground, well liked. But I mean, I, you know, I've got two problems. The first is I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League, and and I and I have genuine fear when he is our goalkeeper. And I think obviously the. the whole incident in the restaurant with the with the Nazi salute left a, a bad taste in the mouth as well his explanation you know it's not for me to 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 say otherwise that's that's what he said was the case that he didn't he was he was trying to get someone's attention but you know it, it feels like to me it was a very very stupid and ignorant thing to do um and I suppose in, in many ways it sums up what I think of him I don't think he's um particularly sharp or bright either off the pitch or on it and I think the biggest difference between a goalkeeper like him and a goalkeeper like Guaita, to me, is their readiness on the pitch. When you watch, when you watch Guaita as the as the opposition have possession of the ball and are approaching our goal, he's on his toes, he's crouched, he's ready. Wayne just sort of seems to move like a crab across his goal line. Like I, I don't really understand it. Um, so uh, yeah. Anyway, good day. I'll ask him on that. And also, and also, yeah, yeah, and also. We don't have confidence, and I don't think the backline has confidence when he plays as well. And you can see it; it's, it just seems totally different when Wayne. Right. So I'm going to quickly um, go through in terms of defenders. So we've got 12 plus two that can play in defence as well. One in particular who has been doing that all pre-season in Kuyate. So <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so I'll, I'll read them all out. I'll read out my greens first, and just let me know if either of you disagree with any of that. My greens are Joel Ward, 
Patrick Van Arnholt, Scott Dan, Martin Kelly, Jairo Riedeveld, and um, Jake Coyote. We happy with those? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that sounds good with me. Um, yeah, I mean, if it was Roy, he'd probably add McCarthy. defence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, McCarthy's green um, everywhere. So I'm yeah. going to go for my Reds next. And um, I know you, you picked out one of these in particular, um, Mike, when we started discussing it previously. I want to see if you're still going to hold that opinion because of the under-23 game today I want to talk about. But two I've picked out uh, as Reds, as in... And the options, remember, for Red are shit or emergency only. Uh, I'm not saying which of these they are. So we've got Yaroslav, Yaroslav Yak and we've got Ryan Innes in my, as my defenders who are Reds. Any issues with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to temper this by saying I couldn't get out of work to watch the um, the uh, Brentford B game. So if Ryan Innes was absolutely shocking, fair enough. Um, but I just, I, I guess because he's come through and stuff and, you know, he's... I just I want to give him more chances than than, than maybe most. Um, I'd probably put him in the orange category because I would like to see him get some game time, maybe in the Carabao Cup. Yaroslav Yak <laughs> obviously got to be green as well. I mean, I've been I, that's the most exciting news of the off season is to see him back. Uh, absolutely. I think interestingly, so both of them played today in the under twenty three today at the time of recording, by the way. Um, so that I'll, I'll go with Yak first. Yak's been been playing left back. Um, Yaroslav Lack, Yaroslav Yak at left back um, has been. That's where he's been. Sorry, Dale, you've got your hand up. Yeah, that just it doesn't right feel either, right. Mate. It just doesn't <laughs> feel right because yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't look right because he's just too big to be a left back. If that makes sense, like with left backs nowadays, you see them going and attacking and defending. If Yak is running forward. That is going to look crazy because he just doesn't look like the type yeah, of player. I mean, he looks more like a centre-back. He's an interesting yeah, physical statue, sure isn't he? Because he's quite tall, but not like... We've got taller players. Like, I mean, Ryan Innes, I think, is 6'5", six, 6'5", five, six, five and a bit, maybe. He's taller than Yak. Um, and, and we've probably got, you know, players with, with stronger physiques as well. But I don't know, he just seems to be, proportionally, seems to be quite an interesting interesting shape, I guess. But, um, but you know, in terms of the footballing ability, I was, I'm quite surprised because he was, he was comfortable at left-back. Now, he wasn't attacking. Um, and when you turn him around, when he's running back at his own goal, he, he looks like, he doesn't look like a professional footballer. But under no pressure, <laughs> he looked okay. Um, so that's the best I can say about him. But to me, he's, he's a write-off. Um, Going back to the Ryan Innes thing, I totally get where you're coming from, Mike, because as, as I think, well, we we interviewed Ryan Innes when he was still 15, I think, and he was being sort of chased by Man City. He was rated hugely, and he had all sorts of talent. And for a variety of reasons, you know, he's, he's struggled to to really play first team football. He's it's only really of late that he's gone out and got some proper loan games elsewhere, but seems to have been kind of followed around by by different incidents, um, which has been a real shame. Um, and I would love him to succeed, but when you realise he's 24 coming on 25, you know, you, you start to realise just how long as a club we've been kind of hoping we'll get something. And realistically, the only reason he's still about is because he is good enough to play, to have a league career and there might be someone out there willing to pay a bit of money for him because fantastic size for a defender. And going back to the specifics of today, for 70 of the, uh, I was going to call it a percentage because I can't remember if he went off or not. I think he went off towards the end. But for 70% of the game, he looked perfectly capable of playing Premier League football. But for the other 30% of the game, 
Yeah. Dude, For the other thirty percent of the game, he looked like he'd never seen a football before. And I don't try. I'm not trying to be glib about that. It's just the concentration levels, the, the, the focus. You know, before Brentford scored, he he gave them the, the perfect opportunity just because he was unable to trap a football. You know, he put his foot out, he bounced off his foot straight to the defender. He seems to struggle on the turn at times. He seems to struggle with people with pace. and But just not all the time. It's the strangest thing to watch because when he's focused and confident in the game, he's a real unit. His defending is great. He's got great physical position. He knows where to hold the defender on the blind side of the ref, uh, the attacker on the blind side of the ref. He knows how to, you know, to clear a ball. But it just seems to be some psychological thing where he'll just have that slip. And if in every game I've ever seen him play, it's not ever seen him play, every game I've seen him play in recent times, you know, that, that's been a feature of his game. Yeah, that is... Uh... That it, that, that's a shame. Uh, I kind of wish I'd seen the game now. I'm just going to go to a bit of content. Uh, we asked some people some comments um, ahead of this podcast. Um, and John asked, um, you know, what the deal is with Ben Teke, Cahill, Tompkins and Sacco. Um, Cole Craster replied, is that actually your name, Cole? <laughs> if it is, excellent. Um, injured all four of them. Yeah, uh, Cahill, hamstring, Ben Teke, broken foot. Sacco and Tompkins can't remember, but um, so w- w- when you've listed um, players here, y- y- you've listed them in orange um, for the most part, and and we do have to talk about the fact that injuries injuries in the back yeah. are going to be a huge problem, so we might have to end up using them. And and that happens with an aging squad. Um, these are expected because yes, when we talk about aging squad, they don't have much value as a player, but as you get older. Uh, the more games you play, the more likely you are to be injured if you're if, if you're an older player. So with Cahill, uh, Scott Dan, James Tompkins, and you know Sacco, these players are risky. You know if they play, they're they're good. They're good enough for the Premier League. Cahill was our leader next season, but going into next season, hopefully they don't get injury prone because that's when you talk about trouble. Because what Checo Kiata is going to start centre back. Um, he doesn't he doesn't look bad there. Yes, it but is. Yeah, still and worried. as Mike said, I, I agree with them. Um with Tompkins, Sacco and Cahill. I think, interestingly, I put Dan as green because he's actually stayed fit, hasn't he? To, technically speaking, he feels like an injury. He was out for so long. Um, and, you know, he's, he's 33, possibly coming on 34 now. So you kind of going into next season, you'd feel potentially as an injury risk there. But he stayed fit for a while, so he gets to go green. But, yeah, Tompkins, we just don't know, do we? You know, he... He seems to be constantly injured in some form or another. There seem to be quite serious injuries when he gets them. I think the last one was, was it ankle? I think he took a heavy challenge or something like that. I can't quite remember. But um, but you know, Cahill, 34, 35 next birthday, was a very nasty injury. But he was fit for most of the season. But let's not forget the season before, uh, was struggling to get into the Chelsea side, had a history of, of injuries. And you know, again, with age, it does catch up, unfortunately. So centre-back's looking quite light at the moment, which is obviously why Palace are, are in the market trying to get a younger centre-back in. And that's nuts when you when you list those names. But yeah, with your with your lovely uh, managerial wag system you've got here, the ones you've got in green, essentially, is, is Dan and Kelly. Um, so, you know, back on the, the, the two players that you absolutely would have had as backup at the start of last season. So... Um, when I wasn't worried before, yeah, this sorry discussion, about that. I, know um, I, am, so I mean, in the fullback area, so I've got Mitchell down as Amber as well. Um, 
And that's purely just because of inexperience. I think we could all, hopefully, we, we all agree that there's a, there's a good player there. We've seen um, we've seen defensively him to do some really impressive things in pre-season. You know, one tackle in particular that was very reminiscent of a of a Wan Bissaka challenge, sort of coming out of nowhere to whip the ball away with a sliding tackle at the last. Um, and he looks when he does get the opportunity to go forward, he looks very confident and and knows what he's doing. There's just that little bit of inexperience there, so we have to say we have to say Amber because. There's a chance in certain games that form's going to drop up and down. Mistakes going to be made, and he might get exposed, particularly if there's not cover ahead of him. But it looks like he'd be starting the season for us at left back, even though PVA is back in in light training, I believe. Um, but but are we comfortable with with Mitchell? Well, this is his time, um, Mitchell. Just like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, when we had injuries, he just had to come in. He settled straight away in. I'm not saying that everyone has to be Aaron Wan-Bissaka, but Mitchell's had a good run of games now in pre-season. So he should be ready for the new season. And hopefully he takes his chance because I don't think he's going to get a better one than this. Last season was talking about him not playing games. Uh, but this is it, Mitchell. You've, you've got your chance. So it's up to you to really take it. And whether he performs consistently... I'm not too sure. Only time will tell. But Patrick Van Arnott is back in training. So he's not going to have much, much longer time at that left-back position. So it's really up to him to perform against Southampton and prove to Roy that he can be a starter left-back ahead of Van Arnott. No, Hodgson's, <laughs> Hodgson's going to put James McCarthy left-back. Um, I mean, out. obviously, Gyro's an option the there as, as well. Which, you know, a pretty serious option. So we'll see. We'll see. That first game could be very, very interesting. Uh, in the interest of time, let's get straight on to midfield players. Um there's actually fewer players here than I thought, uh, and particularly when you start to look at the, the wide midfield players, whether you consider them a, a forward or a midfielder. So we've actually got a bit of crossover here. So I've suggested that there are eight midfielders plus four that can, can play further up and, and um, contribute elsewhere. So I've gone with um, greens, and let's see if there's any arguments on the greens. That these So green being players that are fit, ready and able. Uh, so Luka Milivojevic, um, obviously match fitness is, needs needs sorting out, but you know he's there. Max Mayer is in there. Um, Jake Kuyate is in there. James McCarthy is in there. James McCarthy is in there. I mean, yeah, it's generous. Uh, and Jairo Riedeveld is in there because of in particular being used in midfield in pre-season. And then uh, arguably in the wide midfield positions, you can look at uh, Wilf, Andros and Ezra, um, as well as Jeff Schlupp. And obviously, Jeff can also play central as well. But um, of those I've selected, Schlupp, Wilf and Andros, I've gone with greens. Are we happy with the greens? Um, I think the only yeah. potential... Sounds fine. just want to bring up a bit of... Sorry, a bit of listener comment on MacArthur uh, being a green. Um, Christian said, is it time to drop Maca? 32 years old would be a very useful bench option. And then... I can't pronounce your name, sorry. Bella, at Bella bit me. Um, I can answer that and it's a big yes. He's nearly 33 and it's time to move on. We can't complain about the lack of goals and creativity with this guy these days contributes to the poor stats when he plays nearly every game. So, um, certainly... I think, he, I think he is a little underappreciated and at times by me, he's a little underappreciated. I, I sometimes forget how good he actually is. Um, was it, it was the, uh, the Bromby game where he did some ludicrous turn, wasn't it? In, in his own penalty area. Sort of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he outsacked Saka. Yeah, I do think he's a better player than he gets credit, but undoubtedly, you know, to to be to be in that midfield playing the role he's playing, undoubtedly he needs we need to be looking for a replacement, uh, and this is probably the season where we we should see him phase out. But 
Um, I think he's still got a big contribution to make. But yeah, I'd agree with that. There's, you know, we're probably getting into his final final full season. I think uh, as as a first choice. Yeah, I think it. I think it depends on what formation we play. If we play four four two and have two central midfielders, um, does James McArthur fit in there? Um, I think Gyro is a starter. He has to start there. But next to Gyro, do you put Luca? Do you put McArthur? Or do you put, or do you put McCarthy? But that depends on Roy. He's he's elected to go with that formation in pre-season. But if he does that in the actual season against Southampton next game, then then where does McArthur really fit in? McCarthy was absolute toilet in the 23s today, I have to say. Um, he, um, let's, yeah, let's, let's, hope, let's just hope it's a fitness thing. But he... It didn't look like he tried in any way. Um, looked well off the pace, but yeah, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of his. I like his attitude, but attitude doesn't get you anywhere. You know, we need footballers. Um, I agree with you, D. I, I'd like to see Gyro and, and Lucas start as two central midfielders in a four-four-two. Um, I suspect we'll see Macca and um, and sorry, MacArthur to be precise, uh, and Luca initially. But we'll see. We'll see. Luca's got to get himself fit first. So that first game is going to be um, very, very interesting when we see the team sheet. So we can get straight into the uh, the, the doubts. So I, I I sort of almost want to take this back, and it's only it's only there because he's never played at Premier League level, and that's Everetche Eze as a, an unproven in Amber. But I think we liked what we saw for forty five minutes, didn't we? And I think that'll be very green very quickly. You're playing with fire. Then. <laughs> you put him as Amber. He's 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 the greenest player there. He's 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 hydrogen to me. Um, <laughs> green energy. Depends on the source of the depends on the source of the hydrogen. If you have to get it through extraction from natural gas, it still produces carbon dioxide. Dr. Come on, everyone knows that. Yeah, I know. No, I know. But once you have the electrolyzers there and you produce it via um, water, then you know. Um, uh, it's above me. Go. I got I got a C at Foundation I'm, Science. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. He's but, right. But, you know, I work in the energy industry. He's right. No, because I invested in hydrogen companies, <laughs> so I've looked a bit into it. Yeah. Um, have you seen Have you I'm seen that, uh, Have you seen the trial runs they're doing in the northwest of England and about the about the caves <laughs> to store the CO two? No, no, but let's right, go back right, to we'll about football. Yeah, about the trial right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a he's a green player. That's what I'm trying to say. He's like he's going to be that our uh, energy spark in midfield. So I wouldn't I wouldn't make him man. But I think he's, even though he's played 45 minutes, I think he's going to be available. It doesn't seem like he's had any injury crisis before at QPR, so he should be fit relatively. I know he had that little injury um, at the Charlton game, but Eze is a green for me. I'll ha- I'll have to dis- disagree with you there. All right, so Eze is a ground source heat pump. I get what you're saying, um, Mike. Your, your feelings have, have I gone over, the, or do you feel that there's worth a little bit of not reticence, I suppose, but let's you know be a little bit conservative, not not overhype Eze before he gets the opportunity to settle into the team at first team level. No, I, I think not not for the amount that he's he's cost. I mean, what we're talking, is he what now the third highest ever signing? I mean. Um, He's going. He's going to have to deliver, um, but I'm sure he will. So yeah, I'll make him green unless we find out that he's injured quite often. But um, you know, he's played a decent amount of games for QPR. There's no reason to think that. So um, he's he's the reason we're excited if we're excited at all about next season. So. Okay. Well, look, I didn't have any reds in the midfield. I did have two ambers, and they were basically just two youth players. You have got Malachi Boating who's unlikely to feature, I think, in the first team, might scrape an appearance in the, the Carabao Cup or something like that. We'd be get a, a lesser team maybe in the FA Cup. Um, you might see him feature. Uh, decent player. 
uh, little brother of, of Hiram Boateng, who obviously came through our academy and did pretty well. Um, got a good career for himself. Uh, but Nia Kirby have also gone with Amber. Um, and both of those, because I, I don't feel we can we can call them red. Um, we can't we can't certainly can't say that they're emergency only, even though I think that's how uh, Roy would use them. But I would say they're they're obviously they're players that are in development and they're unproven, which is why why I went for the amber. So Kirby's probably the one that we should be looking to kick on at some point. But realistically, I think probably that's got to be in the form of another loan. Would you say? Uh, hopefully. I haven't exactly. <laughs> well, well, you hope so, um, because he's he's what? How old is he now? He's, he should be around twenty. It's been ni- nineteen coming yeah, on 19, 20, 20, yeah. So he needs to be playing first team football. I don't think maybe with the category one football academy football might benefit him, but overall he should be playing first team out somewhere. And and it's not only it's not only Kirby. I think other players as well. I think we need to focus on making sure these youngsters go out there and actually get first team football experience, which we didn't see last summer. And a couple of players from the academy actually complained and publicly and and said that um, they were disappointed because you can only do so much with under twenty three football. But I mean, I, I don't yeah, think he pulled up trees at Blackpool, did he, Kirby? So. Um... Got, it got better as the season went on reading their comments on their forums and stuff like I do because I'm, I'm tragic like that but um, they yeah they they warmed to him especially when he started contributing you know in the, in the attacking side of uh, the pitch but yeah I mean you know he played today and he was playing interestingly he was playing wide right of the four rather than um, as a central midfielder um, with Max Mayer playing wide left of the four and it was only when Mayer went off the pitch and, and Kirby got a little bit more of the ball um, that he actually, you can see that there's a decent player in there, but he's not really going to be pushing for a first team spot. I just, I can't see who he's going to displace or what he's going to do to do it because he's not that type of player. He's not a player with a burst of pace or an immense amount of skill out of nowhere. He's not an eye catching player, but he's a, he's a steady player with a lot of technical ability. So he just needs game time. He's just got to develop, uh, and I, I still think there's a potential future for him at Palace if he can do that. But it's got to be out on loan. So let's quickly round up talking about the forwards. Um, so in forwards, I've got I've got Jeffrey Schlupp because he's been playing up front um, for the course of uh, pre-season. Wilfred Zaha, the same, has been playing up front in the four four two. Andros Townsend, we, you know, I guess guess has been playing more midfield than than up front, but you know, he is an attacking player. And obviously, Eberetje Eze, we mentioned already. Uh, as I mentioned before, Wilfred Andros um, and Jeffrey Schlupp, I've gone green for. Andros was borderline, though I have to say, but we will we, we will trust him. That's the reason he's green. But form wise, he's got he's got a bit of work to do. If we're being brutally honest, um, Ayu is 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 a green. Clearly, I just didn't want to get any rage from Mike in particular. But our player of the season, goal machine, can't really argue with with Jordan Ayu being a being a, a green. Uh, but what we have in terms of reds, we have Christian Benteke. Uh, obviously, terrible scoring run for three seasons now. Um, regular injuries and yet another injury at the moment as well. Um, you know, the trust has gone completely, even though there was a lot of talk at the back end of last season about him improving the team when he plays. You know, and I think perhaps since I wrote this, we've obviously now been linked seriously with some strikers. Um, so you'd suggest that, that Benteke will end up being perhaps an emergency only option. Uh, but any comments on that? No, he's, from either of you, his his role his role has changed. He's not he's a striker that 
is that we don't expect to score goals, but his role is not useless as well because he has helped the likes of Wilf um, some uh, in the last couple of games, especially last season. Um, we saw when he went when he got sent off and when he got injured um, at the same game, uh, we missed him. We missed Benteke. He 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 doesn't he doesn't score goals like he did back in the day, but he still has a positive contribution in different ways. So. Um, but yeah, he's not. He's, it's a weird one. He's a striker that we don't expect to score goals, which doesn't doesn't sound right. Do you see it being any different if he was to play at a four four two, Mike? If he's up there with with IU, he's up there with Wilf. That's about to say. I, I think he's he's more redundant in a four four two, isn't he? You'd hope that um, there'd be there'd be quicker breaks um, with ball feet down the down the flanks, and um, you know maybe if balls are going to come in, he might be able to head of them, but you wouldn't back him to score, would you? Um, apart from anything else, he seems like one of those players, a lot like Wickham, where when they're injured, they have to be a hundred percent fit before they're they're that willing to to go out on the pitch and put a hundred percent in. Um, you know, there's players all through, you know, Daniel Sturridge or Darren Anderson back in the day, they're the classic example. But people that just take that bit longer to recover. So I think you have to put him as a bonus if he does anything because you know with a broken foot you can't see him playing any time soon so um, right now it's pretty irrelevant how he's going to fit into a structure In the interest of time um, Wickham is a write-off I don't think there's any need to discuss that he's not featured I think he's injured again at the moment unsurprisingly but even when he was fit and in training you know he didn't feature in any under 23 squads or any first team squads at all in the whole of pre-season you know the, the guys unfortunately a complete write off uh, and i just think people are just hoping to get some money off i just want to use the one quote i can't remember who said it last season but one of the listeners just referred to him as old breadstick legs and uh, it still makes me laugh <laughs> yeah it is it is it's impressive it's up there with the whole chris packet hands slash kit kat fingers for, for Hennessy. but um and I've got Amber for Pierre and, and J.K. Gordon. Interestingly, both of those played up front today for the under-23s, and I would call that a bad experiment. Um, Pierre, they both had... It's, it was it's like, if you imagine playing Wilf and, uh, and Townsend up front when it worked, it was like, if you remember the games where it didn't work, it just felt like that. Neither could hold the ball up particularly well. Uh, they were being clattered by the defenders every time it came up to them. There were moments where they looked like they were going to get in behind. There were moments where they, they pulled wide and did some good work. I just don't think it got the best out of either. But anyway, I, I, I'm digressing uh, just because they were both both in forwards and they're both playing up front to, in, uh, today. But you know, I think, again, Pierrick is uh, much talked about. Um, did have a good impact, has played Premier League football. So I think he's much more likely to get a look in than anybody else. But he still, still needs an awful lot of development, in, in my view. And I'm very. I'm excited about John Comenio Gordon. He's, um, you know, he's he's only what seventeen. I think not long, not long seventeen. Um, he's good size for for a young lad, and, and great movement up top, uh, and certainly he's got skill. He, he knows how to draw a foul as well. Um, just needs a little bit more coaching just to see if he can, he can do anything. He spent quite a lot of time on the deck in the under twenty three game today. Just because, just not not because he was fouled necessarily, but. You know when you're you're got you got a defender and a, an attacker going for the ball and the, the defender just nicks it away from you. His reaction to that often was to kind of just drop to his knees and I know that you do that when you don't want to run. Uh, that's what that was my tactic. I didn't want I didn't want to run and chase the defender down. So I just I'd have a little fall down. And sometimes it's a bit of an instinctive thing when you play football. 
hoping you guys know what I mean. And I just think he needs to get that out of his system because if you just stay on your feet, doesn't matter that the defender got there first. You've got an opportunity to put a bit of pressure on them. If he did a bit more of that, I, I think he would have had more of an impact in the game. But he looks a real talent. Quite impressed. Yeah, I want to, I want to see how he does in Cat One football because he's he's been the one that I'm looking forward to, one for the future of everyone in the academy. Because in the FA Youth Cup game, um, there were people saying how he played very good um, in terms of up front, also scoring goals. So hopefully he lives up to the hype. But um, as you said, he he will, he will still learn. He's only 17 years old. Still has lots of time to develop, but these this cat one football is going to be an experiment, and it's going to be harsh on lots of these players. We're going to find out who can actually make it in the Premier League and who can't, because they're going to be facing one of the best oppositions in youth football in England. Yeah, for sure. All right, look, let's steam into a little bit about transfers and move this on as quickly as we can. We knew we were going to go over our, our target an hour because we would get. We knew this would be difficult to to preview a whole season in an hour, but we'll uh, we'll try and keep it as sharp as we can. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest Sponsored by Pitch Sport Funtime videos Choose your match day squad Post match ratings And much more Available to download On the App Store And Google Play PitchDMM.com In terms of the full range Of transfer rumours Both in and out DR's been covering them On basically daily YouTube videos Haven't you DR? So check out our YouTube channel Subscribe on there We're over 800 now uh, really, really impressive. I think it wasn't that long ago. It was only a few months, but we were, we were on a couple of hundred or something at most. Yeah, we started, well, I started properly during the pandemic and I was like, let's go for it. Let's talk about Palace. And then, yeah, it's growing quite rapidly. Uh, we've, we, I think it was only around 200, 300. But now, yeah, we're on 800. Thank you. Yeah, growing all the time. Great interaction on there as well. And um, yeah, it's been been really, really good. So if you want full details on all the different rumours, however likely they are or, or whatever, DR covers everything um, and, and, and takes you through that. So check out our YouTube page. However, it's channel. I've said page like an old man. It's YouTube channel. <laughs> Shut me up. It's yeah, fine. It's fine. Yeah. Fire, fire up the dial up and get onto the YouTubes. Um so let's talk, I mean, just a couple of young players that weren't mentioned above there. I just want to do a quick nod to. So one was Scott Banks, who um, obviously we signed from Aloha or someone, wasn't it? I forget. Uh, Dundee United, wasn't it? I think it was Dundee United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, went on loan to, to, it was either Aloha or Airdrie yeah, went on loan to. But anyway, anyway, he, um, a very, very, very promising young player. I, I saw a little bit of him play um, in, in early pre-season. Uh, looks uh, it, on some 
weird Facebook stream game. I think it was the Tombridge Angels game. Um, but he looked, he looked very, very good on the ball, very confident, and there's some good clips out of him scoring some nice goals. But from what I understand, uh, he'll be training with the first team for, for the first half of the season. They'll try and find him alone in the second half of the season uh, just to continue that development from basically bringing him into professional football. I think it technically it's a semi-pro level at times where he's been at and um, just getting that training up to up to standard and playing with better players, really. But he looks a real, real find. Luke Dreyer is one that's been, I think he must be nearly 22 now, if not 22 already. So to, uh, I mentioned this previously to DR in a, in a WhatsApp conversation. You know, when he when he started to break through, he was one that I looked at and just thought, that's that guy can play Premier League. He's got you know three or four extra yards in his head. He can pick a pass, comf- confident on the ball, seems happy with, happy on either foot. What a, what a brilliant brilliant possibility we've got there. Been ruined by injury. Have no idea where he is now. I uh, haven't seen him play in any games for a while. I think he was possibly named in a couple of lineups of games that weren't necessarily watchable. Uh, but my fear is he might be injured again because he didn't feature at all off the bench or, or in the first team today. Uh, and I'm just a little bit gutted for him, so I wanted to make mention of that. Uh, but let's talk about the, the key rumoured ins and outs, uh, if we can. Uh, and at the time of recording, the, the biggest rumour in is Mishi Batshuayi. Um, I've been responsible for sort of rubbishing the very idea of it, but it seems like Things have changed. Ryan Fraser has gone to Newcastle. He was one on our list for quite a while, by all accounts. Um, so it looks like our approach has changed uh, into what we're looking at in the market. So first of all, reaction. Who I don't know who wants to go first, but it, it's looking very positive for us signing, Mishy. Go on, DR. <laughs> I was waiting for Mike. And Mike was waiting for me. Um, yeah, with Michi, I, I just... I'm looking out there for options and there isn't any real options out there in terms of strikers. Who else can we get? Um, it seems like Watkins is going to Villa. Uh, we was linked with Evan Nelson. Uh, he's going to Porto. Uh, who else? Was, was, linked with, was, was linked with different strikers, but it seems like Michi is the only realistic option right now. And I don't mind it because he knows Roy Hodgson and Roy Hodgson knows him. He knows his system. He had a great presence on social media with the fans. He seemed like he loved his time at Palace. And also in training with the players, you can see it in the videos. It seemed like he's a good guy to have in the change room. And hopefully, that's all I require from Michi is for him to score goals. It sounds so simple, so Michael Owen-esque. But anything else, I'm not really that fast. He's comfortable on the ball. And if he can score goals, whether that is five, whether that is six or seven, I'll be happy because Jordan Ayew can't do it all by himself next season. Personally, I'm of the opinion I don't like loans particularly unless they're of you know of certain benefit you know for desperation and I'm not sure I, I think if we're going to play the four four two we can have some false nines I'm not sure we assess, especially need him and if it's going to tank the Gallagher um, loan then that's much more irritating um, I, I think we'll get by with what we've got um, personally. But if he comes, it's a bonus as long as Paris doesn't come out and moan about wages and that kind of thing. Um, I'm sure we won't. Uh, it'll be a nice bonus, but I'm, uh, you know, not getting. I'm not getting too excited. I mean, I, I share a little bit of that concern. I talked about it on some of our watch alongs. Really, um, I don't know. It's the sort of thing where I, I suppose probably my my attitude might change based on whether or not he, he signs or not, and it looks likely. The, the concern over the loan, if if what's being reported is true and it's a loan with an option to buy, great. Uh, I'm not sure how that works because I thought he was out of contract next summer. So they'd 
presumably have to be some kind of new contract prior to the loan or something like that. I, I don't know. Be be a weird one. So this sounds like there's some messing about to do in the deal there. Um, good deal. Um, so the report suggests that he's going to sign a contract extension at Chelsea before he joins Palace because it seems like they want to get a bit more in terms of value if he does perform. So it is, it is a bit confusing, but it seems like he's still going to be under contract for another year. So we won't be able to get him for free. See, that that really annoys me. Like that, that, <laughs> that's, that's really annoying. I, that just put, that makes me even less keen, to be honest. I, 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 I actually I really like him as a striker. Um, I think the game they're in the Champions League. Um, I think they're against Atletico, and he scored a he scored a goal that sorted them out. You know, he comes up with goals at the right time. But if it's Chelsea, you know, extending it so he can cost a fortune, that annoys me. No, fair enough. Look, I also have fears over the the level of perhaps belief in him that, that Palace fans have, if I can sort of tiptoe my way around that. Um, I've, I've mentioned a few times that if you actually analyse the games, because everyone's like, oh, he scored six in wherever it was, six in 18 or something like that. That's better than any of our other strikers. You're like, yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was five, actually, and I think, Two of those were in one game against Cardiff, so you know, he scored in four games. And if you, then you start to analyse it again, you're like, well, actually, I can remember being really, really frustrated with him in about you know three or four other games because he just was completely ineffective. Um, but look, bottom line is he is a goal scorer. Um, he he fit in before. If he fits in the same way again. I managed to tuck at least some of the chances we're creating. If we go back to creating lots and lots of chances, like we promised in pre-season, and we need someone in there to put them away, then then it's, yeah, fair enough. It's a no-brainer. Um, I just have massive, massive fears that everyone's going to be so emotionally invested in him. We think he's going to come in and just knock, knock, knock the goals in from minute one. Um, and then he goes the first seven games without scoring any, and then that's it. He's like, "What a waste of money! I can't believe oh, I never wanted him anyway." Oh, Chelsea this, Chelsea that, and it's just all set up in my head for a complete disaster. But let's hope not. Um, we'll only pick out another couple of other rumours. You mentioned Gallagher there, of course, uh, Mike. And if if the rumours of of Atshuai are true and come off like we expect. And obviously Gallagher can't join us on loan. Chelsea don't want to sell. He doesn't want to leave permanently. So he would have to go elsewhere. So a bit of a disappointment there because we do need some fresh legs in midfield. But another rumour doing the rounds, I noticed it. Had, uh, there have been some whispers about it and it cropped up on the BBS earlier on today. And that's Rianne Brewster, who's obviously playing at Liverpool. Extremely highly rated half a season on loan at Swansea last year, uh, where he scored one in two and played very, very well. Unproven at Premier League level, but massive reputation and all sorts of shock around the game that Liverpool would be prepared to sell. But they're not asking for for peanuts; they're asking for twenty million quid. Um, and yeah, if accounts are to be believed, there's an interest from Palace. How do we feel about that? Got to be you first this time, Mike. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of it. I can't see it happening. I think Liverpool haven't strengthened themselves. Um, you know, they don't especially surely need the money. Um, I can't see unless they get someone in that they're going to be too keen. So I, I don't know. I don't take the rumours too much. I, I actually wanted to bring up the Bright Asai Samuel rumour because that interests me a lot more. Um, but by the time that we listen, certainly anyone listens to this, probably all of these rumours are going to be redundant. So I'm not sure. Ryan Bruce would be nice, but uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have think thought that Liverpool are going to be selling him unless they absolutely need to. 
Curtis, your thoughts on either um, Brighter, say, Samuel, or or indeed Ryan Brewster? I just don't see us getting Brewster for 20 million. I I don't see it happening because that is a lot of money. And we spent how much? 16 million on Eze plus there's add-ons, so it could be 20 million. That's talking around 40 million pounds on two players. I don't I don't I don't really expect that to happen. I think Bright Samuels is a more realistic option because of course he's running out of contract um next summer and apparently he hasn't signed a new deal at QPR and doesn't want to sign a new deal according to reports. So maybe Palace can get him on a more team friendly deal and you'd you'd assume that QPR don't want to lose him for free. So I think Bright Samuels is more of a realistic option than uh, Brewster. No, fair, fair, fair arguments. Uh, we can't dwell any further on that. I'd like to talk more about transfers, but we've got to move things on. And as I say, keep an eye on the YouTube channel as DR will keep you updated as and when we go. Um, so we'll do something. I was going to talk about outs. The only real rumoured outs at the moment are, I suppose, Sacco, who's moved to Leon, has, um, has died because of injury. And McCarthy, who's uh, moved to Celtic, seems to have died because they haven't got any money. Um, but yeah, Zaha currently no offers or, or seemingly expressions of re- any serious interest. So that's where we are on the outs at the moment. And that's possibly one of the other concerns as well. But I dare say we'll come back to transfers in a bit. Um, let's have a little bit about chat around off the pitch. So I'll do, a, I'll do a quick summary of a few things and then we'll get into uh, the two two discussion points. We'll talk season tickets and talk kits, but we'll keep it short, DR. Just, I know you're laughing already. Let's keep it short, yeah, because it's been over an hour already. Uh, but we'll, we'll get our points across. So just a couple of things. Um, there was whispers earlier on around uh, the kind of investment slash takeover angle. Um, and there was a massive misunderstanding on social media, which I found both amusing and frustrating in equal measure, where the actual rumoured interest was from a company uh, that former Premier League chief Richard Scudamore was involved in, and they were called Red Ball Investments, R-E-D-B-A-L-L. And then all of a sudden, either because of an autocorrect or because of a misunderstanding, lots of people were reporting that Red Bull were trying to buy Palace. And there was all this anger about, oh, we don't want to become Red Bull Crystal Palace or Red Bull London. Oh, it's ridiculous. Parish is selling us down the river, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, none of it was accurate. So, um, yeah. So at the moment... As far as anybody's aware, the um, the owners and investors remain the same. Harrison Blitzer aren't out, but there was the interesting point that the Palace badge was removed from their website in terms of uh, a little scrolling sort of thing where it showed all the teams that they had investments in, and the Palace badge disappeared. I haven't gone back and checked if it's reappeared yet or if they've deleted their bios where it says they're directors of Palace yet. Uh, but maybe you'll want to do that after listening to me say these words. But we'll move on from that very quick, unless anyone's desperate to say anything. Um, no, not in the slightest. Good, good, good. So training ground slash academy development, we know there's work going on there. I, I, I believe that at least on one of the sites, if not both, there was um, something that concerned me a little bit that apparently work had stopped. I'd, I'd heard that, which is a bit of a worry because I know there's a lot of work going on at the academy site. So hopefully nothing dramatic there. Uh, people were pulled off the site. It could be could be any reason. I work in the industry that deals with construction. There's all sorts of reasons why you might have to pull off site. So I'm hoping nothing dramatic there. But you know we're pressing ahead. We're a Cat One Academy now. There's lots of stuff being done um, to develop that. And I think all three of us on this uh, on this show are Academy founder members, aren't we? Uh, so looking forward to getting my Academy founder member face tattoo uh, anytime soon. Uh, but we'll see how that, that development goes. 
So let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about season tickets. It's been a fairly unmitigated disaster, hasn't it, dear? Um, you and I had some uh, some crosswords, didn't we? Winding each other up. Yeah. Um, I was being a little. I was what I wasn't doing. You, you obviously you were accusing me of defending the club, and what I was trying to do was add context to what 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 you know to decisions. I think in the subsequent days we've seen the impact of some of those decisions that were made. And I, I can't help but agree in some form with you, even though I don't like agreeing with you at all about anything. Um, so, I mean, you know, in particular, I could pick out the, the credit situation. Totally get why a company would, and I mean, a company, I say a football club in this scenario, would look at the fact they've got to, in a shorter time than ever, administrate a whole host of um, basic credit arrangements with with customers um, to get them ready for a new season. And it's just, why would you try and spend all the time and energy you've got on that when you've got all this other stuff to do as well, when you could just employ a third-party agency to do it? So it makes logical sense until you actually look at the the activity and the impact of that. And the activity and the impact of that is this professional agency do a hard credit search on people who've never had that before for a direct debit. And you've got a whole host of people, probably hundreds if not thousands of people, being rejected for paid monthly season tickets. So immediately the club's given themselves a problem there. Um, and then there's everything else deal, which I'm sure you'll, I'll, I'll stop speaking and let you bring up a couple of things. Yeah, the medical the medical situation where when it was initially released to ask for medical evidence, I think that was disgusting because no one has to share their personal, personal medical evidence with the club and it's pretty sensitive um, to even ask for that. Um, there was that option where... Maybe I don't want to go next season and it's a pandemic. So why on earth do I have to pay the full price? There should have been a cheaper option like at Leicester where I think they offered it for around £70. So you keep your seat for next season. Um, but unfortunately, there's nothing like that at Palace. It just seemed like, even with the interest thing, it seemed like the club just thought about themselves and not the people. And we always go on about the club being a community club, being for the people and, and you know, for everyone around, uh, around locally. But that wasn't the case. You know, with season tickets, they forgot about that totally. Now people have had them credit checks. It's going to be on their credit history as well, apparently. That's what I've heard. Yeah, that's, um, that's what happens, yeah. If you've been rejected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this, this is the club just thinking about themselves. They didn't think about the people one bit um, when, when planning this. And as a result, there's been people with 20-year season tickets that's not going to be able to attend for maybe a very long time um, because of it costing around £200 to now select your seat. And... You can say it's a business, but overall, you know, there's been some fans that's been here through the hard, you know, and the cold days, and now they're going to be out of the game well, for a very long I time. I mean, I'll let Mike speak in a sec, but just from on that part, they, to a point, I think people have to be a little bit mindful of reacting straight away and saying, well, that's it, I'm done, I won't be able to attend, so I'm going to lose my seat. There's not, there's not a waiting list of hundreds of thousands of people trying to trying to scramble and get in and get your seat. I, I think lots of people are in a very similar boat. So I think it's difficult to, you know, everyone wants to wants to go to the extreme and the worst case scenario to predict what will happen. But I think the reality will be most people probably won't have an issue. But I think obviously the ideal situation is nobody has an issue. Everybody can get, can, if they can't go next season for medical reasons or because they fear you know, the whole COVID outbreak and they're just not comfortable with it, you would hope and believe that the club would be able to accommodate that. And I suppose that's the disappointing part. But there is always another side. There is a club that has lost quite a significant cash flow, has a really short space of time to, to administrate everything with staff who are also human beings, who've also had issues, 
Um, the club, you know, you look at the things the club did do. They didn't furlough anybody during COVID. You know, they, they've continued to push and drive donations for the Palace for Life Foundation. They are looking out for their community. They are doing things. But what's happened is they've had to make a series of quick decisions on something that it's very hard to get right. I don't think there's a scenario where they could have got everything right. I, I really don't. So, well, let's look. Sorry, um, so, so, so I'm going to give people a quick insight into our uh, WhatsApp groups. They are quoted the other day to Hambo that uh, he needed to be the people rather than be corporate, <laughs> uh, which I thought was a really, really excellent quote. Um, but no, I, the, the two main issues for me is one, the backtrack on the medical evidence. Needing needing medical evidence just so you can pay 200 quid to keep your seat is ridiculous. And obviously they then came out and said, no, we never said that. And then there's a ton of screen prints that prove that is exactly what they said. You know, that's a managerial error or or people being misinformed or whatever. To me, that was a big one. The hard credit checks is insane. Um, I have been in situations, I work for companies where, um, you know, you put a credit check company in first because you don't want to deal with the admin. You know, you're talking about a tiny amount of staff that Palace have got to do this. If you've then got hundreds and hundreds of people that you're going to have to deal with manually, it's going to be... A big problem for you but they're going to end up with it anyway because everyone's been rejected so uh, i can understand people's frustrations absolutely um i think also there's probably clubs that have done things better um there's clubs that have definitely done things worse but um it's the comparisons to, to, to arsenal that kind of stuff it, it just doesn't wash because the situation at palace like you said is very different you've got a, a much higher percentage of seats to season tickets than you would at arsenal uh, and as you say there's, there's not an enormous um list of people waiting to nick your seat and I think maybe if Palace had been a bit more upfront and said nobody's going to lose their seat this season I think yeah. that probably would have placated it um, but you know they've got their own problems they, it's just I think communication as has been the case before is the major problem. I think um, going back to the, the discussion there and I had and I've called it a discussion the row the argument if we'd been in the same room we'd have thrown things at each other because um, DR used the, the phrase money grabbing and um, and I was trying to point out, as I like to do, that it's not money grabbing. It's it's about it's about cash flow, because they're not keeping anyone's money. You're still, you know, if you pay for a season ticket up front, I mean, what I would have accepted is it's it's like giving the club an interest fee loan, and that's and that's out of order, uh, particularly when they're charging. You're interest thinking too corporate, money. but well, I am. I'm I'm a I'm a corporate guy. I'm a manager. You know. Yeah. That's what I am. You're not thinking about the people. Yeah, you're you're the 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 people. people. You'll soon leave the people behind when you're when you're rich and famous from your stupid YouTube antics. (laughs) Actually, can can I just say we 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 really wanted to do a show called Dr Does um, on YouTube. Did we? Yeah, we did. You didn't. You've been resisting, but Mikey and I desperately wanted to get Dr to carry out various activities. And the first one we were. It's a shame now because if you'd done it, you would have been able to see Kayla before she passed on. But we were going to take Dr. down to Eagle Heights. We were going to get him to play with an eagle, um, and then we were going to get him to spend some time running around a field with some alpacas. And we just think just that would be I don't want to be entertaining. But and and the context of that is Dr. is scared of every single animal. Uh, when we did the <laughs> when we did the marathon walk, you were scared of all insects, all animals. Uh, there was a tiny dog which you you kept hiding behind my legs like a tiny child, uh, which amused me no end. Um, but then you we were walking through <laughs> Richmond Park and you suddenly saw the deer and it was like you you didn't know where to go because they were all around you. And I just think that's a really entertaining thing and it'd be a very popular YouTube channel. I don't 
I just don't play around with animals. I just don't, you know. I'm a human, they're animals, you know. We, we've got our own divide there. Uh, there's barriers to this. Some people like animals, but me, I'm not a fan, you know. It's, it's a free world that we live in. Well, let me know. I think I, I think it would be um, it would be how DR gets his fame and fortune. So let me know if you'd like to see us uh, film some episodes of DR Does. We've got we've got a lot of nudges from our producer to hurry up, and somehow we're on to our package. Absolutely it's right. Excellent. You, excellent. you get very nervous about the, uh, the timing. I think, I mean, because I think, like you care a lot and obviously you can always tell my reaction when you start getting shifty about timing is I I go onto tangents and I start to talk to you about it in some meta way are you enjoying that? (laughs) I've been doing doing it to you for like two years you must have noticed I I have Um, and I suppose it is the season preview it's going to overrun a bit isn't it let's be honest yeah exactly so um, look Sam hasn't got anything else to do Sam's hung over it's the reason she doesn't want to edit That's, that's that's the main issue I'm going to take some blame for that, admittedly. Um, but. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it was your fault. Let's have a quick word about the kits because we're going to skip a couple of topics and what we've got left won't take too long as well, so it won't be too dramatic. Um, so I, I just want to, I suppose, I'm going to say something and I, and I suspect you all feel the same, but let's see. Uh, didn't like the kits at first, but now they're fine. Mm, yes. Mike? No, they still look like... Lego characters when the people are wearing them. I'm not having it. Um, so, I, so when when I watched the uh, the highlights of the 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 women's the open game against Charlton, um, and then Morgan the keeper unfortunately made a horrendous effort, a horrendous error um, for Charlton to go one nil up, and it, it just made it more comical with the kits. I, I don't know why they, they they just look like little drawings that have been drawn on. I, I don't know. I won't I won't be buying one until they go down to fifteen quid or whatever. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we nearly got we nearly got full agreement on that. Uh, so look, we covered the uh, the questions that we well some of the questions that we got in earlier on throughout the course of the show, which was good. So no need to worry about that. So again, to topic five, which I've called in the show doc Mystic Kernas, which is a reference to the uh, to the lottery predictor Mystic Meg. Uh, do you remember Mystic Meg? Do you? I've never heard of Mystic Meg. No, you probably weren't born, were you? But um, it's a reference to that, really. So really just split it into um some some quick chat, five minutes or so, about first of all, what do we think of Palace's season ahead? Where do you think we'll finish? What are the key factors? Um we talked about whether Roy might last the season. So from you from you first of all, DR, where are we gonna finish and, and what do you think are the, the biggest variables in that? So yeah, I've got I've got my notes down here. Finish twelve. Um and I think Eze and Will's performance is going is going to be one of the key factors. And also our defence, is it going to be as solid as it was last season for the majority of the season anyways? And is Roy going to last the season? I think so. I think he's going to be it. And then hand over to um, the rumoured <laughs> incoming manager at the end. So uh, that'd be interesting. So that's your prediction. Uh, how about yourself, Mike, for Palace? What are you expecting? Trying to think who's going to finish below us. I think it's finally time for Brighton's... 15 minutes of fame to bugger off. Uh, I can't see them lasting again unless they do some serious work. Adam is not going to fix it for them. Uh, neither's potable. Uh, sorry, I swore. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> first one. I mean, uh, West Brom and Pats Fulham. So I'm going to go uh, 17th. 17th. I think we're going to struggle. Um, and I think it's going to be totally dependent on how we play down the flanks um, in midfield, to be honest, and uh, you know the, the signs are good from pre-season, but um, one injury might tank that because we're, we're still a bit light. So, um, you know, I, I might change that if there's a couple more signs, particularly Samuel's coming. Um, but for now, I think we're going to struggle. I do think we're going to stay up there. 
Yeah, um, I think I agree with that with things as they are. I mean, obviously, I do expect us to make a couple of signings, and I also would expect if we're in trouble for us to, to dig in in January. So I think I'm probably going to revise my early expectation of us to go down. And you talk about teams that would finish below us, Mike. I mean, West Ham look like they're in pieces at the moment in such an amusing and entertaining way. Um, so that you know, you, you got you got a fear for their safe, not fear for their safety, revel in their their inability to stay up, really. Um, so expect them to 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 you know really struggle. I've got to say, probably Fulham and uh, and Villa for me will also struggle. Uh, and then it's really I don't just think so. well, well, you can not think so. West West Ham and Brighton, I think, and West Ham. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I would say I was, yeah, to continue. I think West Brom will we will finish above West Brom as well. Um, Brighton, I've got mixed feelings about. I've just got the fear for this coming season about Brighton. I don't know why. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced we're going to lose our first game at home to to them. Not our first game at home, but our. Do you see what I mean? Like we're going to lose our yeah, game yeah, at home to them. Yeah. Um. So there we go. So I mean, I'm 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 predicting a a fifteenth place finish by the end of the season, but I think it will be a rocky rocky road. And I think our first, I'm going to say our first ten games. I think. I'll be surprised if we're averaging more than a point a game, but happily so. Um, how things are now, if we get a couple of forwards in, I can see that being maybe one and a half points a game. Um, so there we are. So how do we feel about the Premier League as a whole? We've talked about relegation in our answers, um, but I mean, DR, to you again. I think Man City are going to win it this year. They're going to they're going to return to their peak form. Um, if their defenders stay fit, I think that's the biggest down for Man City. Top four, Liverpool, Arsenal and Chelsea. That's my top four. Uh, for Europa League, Sorry. Everton and Tottenham. Oh, yeah. There's your beloved Spurs. Okay. Yeah, is that... What are you on? Oh. Anyways, Everton and Tottenham, uh, top six. And then, as I said, West Ham, Brighton, Brighton and West Brom getting relegated. Because I feel like Fulham, yes, they... Did get relegated last time around, but they're, they're more they're more sensible with their approach this season. I've read something about them, and they're not going out and buying all types of players like they did last time around, and they're looking to build within the squad. So I feel like that will help them. How about you, Mike? Your Premier League predictions? I don't know what to expect really. I I, I can see Arsenal doing better than they. I mean, fair enough, they actually won some silverware, but um, I can see them doing well. Um, certainly better than the expectations for last season. Um, Leeds worry me. Um, you know they've invested. Uh, they look they look strong. Um, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of um, teams beating each other, um, and I don't think there's going to be quite such a hoovering up of points from the from the top teams as usual. Uh, I, I, I do think the Premier League is going to be very strong. Plus the fact you, you don't have pressure from the fans. Um, so teams that are on a losing run that you know their fans are going to give them give them hassle like West Ham, maybe have a lifeline because of the fact that they can they can play without that pressure. So I think we're going to see some some weird old weird old results. Uh, I'm not sure how that benefits or or does bad for Palace. Um, you know, you can imagine that our away fans not being there is going to be a, a massive hindrance. But I'm sure there's other teams in similar situations. But the main thing I want to see is Sheffield United not to do so bloody well as they did last year. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you heard it here first, everyone. Uh, during the course of the Premier League next year, Mike is predicting that a lot of teams will beat each other. 
<laughs> Sorry, just to explain that, as in um, there'll be three points at home and then a, a loss away, you know. So I'm just I'd, check, I'd, yeah. checking my notes to see if I got anything as incisive as that holding myself. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Wise words haven't been said. Uh, there yeah. we go. Well, that's what he's here for. Um, Sorry, exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. Uh, my <laughs> predictions Liverpool to win the league, uh, Manchester United to finish second, Manchester City to finish third. Oh dear! Then what do I think? Mm. I mean, Arsenal. You, uh, I, I could see Spurs finishing above Arsenal. Uh, so I'd go Spurs fourth, Arsenal fifth, and I think you're right about Everton. Everton in sixth because I think um, you look at the signings they're making and, and the manager that they've got. I mean, every time they've tried it in, over the last few years, it's been a disaster. So they've got to get it right once, and if they get it right next season with those players. You know, sick that you know they've got to be pushing, pushing top six, haven't they? So there we go. Those are my predictions, and I just I hate to say it, but I just think Man United, with their signings, um, are going very much in the right direction, and I hate them so much, and I hope it doesn't happen. So there's our predictions. Let's see how we get on. If you want more those... similar discussion, listen to Talk Sport for twenty three and a half hours of twenty four <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, but look, and the final topic of the day is a very quick preview of the preview. So obviously the preview team, uh, Terence, Sam and Albert will be returning to preview the Southampton game um, within the next couple of days as of the time of this recording. Um, hopefully our, our, our content will be out before there, so otherwise it'll be weird. But um, So we're just going to do a quick preview. And I don't mean we're going to preview what they think uh, because uh, essentially it'd be previewing uh, Sam and Terence making uh, Watford-based jokes at Albert, Albert um, getting increasingly drunk on gin and uh, making ridiculous comments. Uh, and then yeah, Sam going on and moaning about something for quite a long period of time. I think it's generally speaking what we'd be previewing. That's a little test to see if they watch slash listen to this. Um, so I'm, all jo- I'm joking, guys. I'm joking. It's good. So um, what do you think in terms of that opening lineup? Let's run through it, DR. In goal, Guaita. Uh, Guaita. Right back. Uh, Wardy. Yeah. Uh, left back, Mitchell. Centre back, Hughes fit. Dan and Coyote? Yeah, I guess so. But if Cahill, if, is anyone else going to be fit? No, Kelly fit. I think so, yeah. Kelly um, didn't uh, look, yeah. look too fit. He played in the under-23s today. Looked a little off the pace, if I'm being blunt. Yeah, I think it'll be them too. And in, and in midfield, hopefully, um, Jairo st- starts alongside. Uh, I don't, I don't mind James McArthur or Luca, one of them too. But I just want Jairo to start. And on the right hand side, I think it'll be Andros. Left hand side, I think it'll be Eze if he is fit. Uh, not too sure yet. We'll probably find out in a couple of days. And up front um, will be Wilfred Zaha and Jordan Ayew. See, I'm going to be a bit more pessimistic and I'm going to say McCarthy and McArthur with, <laughs> with Townsend uh, and Schlupp on the left uh, and then and then uh, Ayu and Zaha up front. Um, I've got to say, my, 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 not that I want this, but my prediction of the change. So I do think DR's right in terms of the midfield, but I expect it to be McArthur and Riedervald because I don't think Luca's fit yet. That's the only reason. I think Luca would probably come in for Riedervald if that wasn't the case, rather than MacArthur, which I prefer. But I think Eze will start on the bench. Uh, just that even even if he's fit, I just think that will happen. And I think it'll it'll be Schlupp that comes into the team, 
whether or not he starts on the left or Wilfred Zaha starts on the left and he starts up front. We've seen both scenarios in pre-season. I think that's how we'll start the season. Um, so that's that's everything in terms of our predictions there. Uh, so let's get a scoreline, we reckon, from each. Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you because Dion gets to say his first all, throughout the entire well, show. But So I, I posted earlier um, a news that Danny Ings is possibly not fit, which then said in the article that he is fit. Um, so you know, if they've got um, if they've got him fit, uh, and uh, and Trippier, um, I think they're going to be a tough proposition. And I've just seen some people tweeting about Southampton trying to make this sort of fake rivalry between us um, after Ward Prowse being a bell end last season. Um, I unfortunately, I think it's going to be a really tough game, um, and I can see us losing one now. Curtis, um, I'll go with. I'll go with one all, one all. I just don't want us to lose, but I'm not really confident that we'll win because even in preseason we were undefeated. You saw the cracks in the Bronby game. You you really did, and we don't have a fully fit squad, so hopefully we'll get a point out of the game. I think um, personally they found it a little bit too easy to play us of late, um, particularly with Ward Prowse on Wilf, just follow him about, marking him out of the game, getting him angry and frustrated. I think Wilf changing positions to being able to roam the pitch will prevent that from happening. Um, so that's a positive. However, um, I, I I agree with with you. Um, they are in the in the signs that that were worrying in the Bromby game. Uh, I don't think we're quite firing all, on all cylinders starting the season. My hope is that Southampton aren't, but I suspect it will be an, an agonising two one defeat. Um, but I do think we'll get on the score sheet. Hope I'm wrong, but. Fairly pessimistic, that, isn't it? But uh, there we are. So that's it. That's it from us. Um, obviously, thank you very much uh, for, for joining us today. Uh, it is great to be back with you. Thanks for listening and or watching in particular. Um, my appreciation to to Mike and to DR. Thanks, guys. Love seeing your, your faces. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much to, to producer Sam for stepping in. Uh, after we had to abandon our first attempt to record this at the weekend. Um, but we're okay. We did it. We did it. It's great. Um, so don't forget to follow us on all forms of social media. I've got, I suppose, a bit of give appreciation. I forgot to shout them out earlier on uh, to our sponsor, Pitch Sport Football. Uh, if you Google Pitch Sport Football, you can download their app on there. Um, it should be ready for the new season with some, some updates. Um, more about that throughout the course of the season. Um, do subscribe on YouTube. Um, and and give us your five star ratings on podcast apps. And obviously, preview team will be back with you. They're recording um, Thursday night as we record this, so that'd be Thursday the tenth, I guess. Um, so it should they're recording? Yeah, they're recording. But so podcast should be with you on, on Friday the eleventh. Um, and we'll be back to review the Southampton game on Sunday in Tokyo and Until then, see you later. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.